Hi, and welcome to Job Search the Smart Way, a podcast for graduate students and PhDs. If you're wondering what you can do with your degree, you're in the right place. You'll learn top tips and strategies you can apply to build an impactful career and meaningful life. Your host, Dr. Marin Wood, will share evidence-based research so that you can job search the smart way. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Dr. Marin Wood. Thanks so much for joining me. This past week, I was preparing a new slide deck for information sessions I'm holding over this summer for senior administrators and career center staff about the work we're doing at Beyond Prof and Beyond Graduate School to prepare graduate students for career success. And it had me thinking about the promise of a graduate degree, the implicit and explicit promises made by universities when they recruit and admit students. And it had me thinking about why people pursue advanced degrees. Well, primarily, people are pursuing advanced degrees because they want to build careers and lives that they couldn't have without the degree. So let's start with doctoral education and training. The vast majority of PhDs pursue their doctorate in order to become faculty. In multiple surveys, 80% of humanities and social science PhDs report that they want to be faculty as their primary vocation of choice. In a survey by Nature, 57% of doctoral students and postdocs identified faculty careers as their primary objective for why they're earning their degrees or their primary career outcomes. Industry ranked very far down the list, actually. Only 25% of STEM PhDs wanted to move into industry after completing their PhD or postdoc. Now, this might surprise you that people don't want to move into industry after they complete their degrees, but if you consider the way people are admitted and recruited into PhD programs, well, it starts to make sense, right? When we admit new students into PhD programs, they are evaluated on their scholarly aptitude, their potential to be scholars in the field. When I applied for my PhD program, I had my application letters, writing samples, and a statement about, you know, my proposed research project. What was it that I was pursuing a PhD in order to research and study? And of course, I submitted transcripts and letters of recommendations to speak to my scholarly credentials, aptitude, and potential as a historian. And of course, I was evaluated then by institutions to see if they thought I would make a successful scholar. Of course, I applied for my five-year PhD program because that's exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to become faculty. I, in truth, as I've mentioned before on the podcast, I had little exposure to professional career pathways. I hadn't spent any time considering career options. I knew I was good at school. I loved history and I thought I would like teaching and scholarship. My story is the story of thousands of PhDs. We're excited about our subject matter expertise and intellectually engaged by scholarly pursuits. We of course could do something else but we don't. And we don't want to, we want to be faculty. We want to be in the academy. We want to be pursuing science and history and literature. We want the life of the mind. And the promise of the PhD is that we will achieve the life of the mind by becoming faculty. When we complete our doctoral education and training, it's implicit, right? It's implied that you come to do your doctorate to become faculty. And so throughout your PhD program, what are you doing? Well, you're a junior scholar in your field. You're teaching, you're researching, you're writing, you're publishing, and you're attending conferences. Even though you're being paid a stipend instead of a salary, 
you're experiencing that life of the mind and you're working as an academic. And so again, the expectation of most doctoral students is, is that that will continue at least for them. And people know vaguely that the job market is terrible, but they don't know specifically how terrible the job market is in their specific field for their specific subject matter expertise. And if it's going to be terrible for them, or if they will be one of the people that quote unquote luck out and land a faculty job, it's completely unclear. It's a gamble, but again, it's hard to ask people to make informed career decisions about their future as faculty because there's a complete lack of transparency around academic hiring. And there isn't a lot of information by which people can evaluate if it's going to be them that lands the job, or if it's going to be them that needs to leave academia. So it shouldn't surprise us then by the way that we recruit and train students into PhD programs, the students expect some kind of positive career outcome at the end. And that expect- expectation is the life of the mind, if not to be faculty. It's why we're recruited. It's what we're trained to do. And it's what we've decided we want to do before we pursue our PhD programs. And of course, the problem, as we all know, is that there just aren't enough jobs for all the talented people in higher education. There certainly are not enough good jobs. There are an increasingly number of terrible career outcomes for people who stay in academia, long-term adjunct and postdocs. But there aren't enough good jobs for all the talented people. So my question is, At exactly what point in a program should it become clear to a doctoral student that it's going to be them that doesn't get the academic job? For PhDs, the process of admission to completion is lengthy, five or more years. That's plenty of time for, say, a global pandemic and a war in Europe to dramatically change the economy, the entire way people are doing business, interacting with one another, and it can accelerate a decline in higher education, which is what we've just gone through. You can't predict these things. You also can't predict that the thing you've chosen to study will be in favor in five years. Academia has fads and fashions just like every other industry. What's going to be in demand in five or seven years when you complete your program? Who knows? And yet again, the implicit promise is that doing a PhD will set you up for the life of the mind. You're opting out of industry. You're pursuing uh, research at an at a institution where you're teaching, where you're stepping outside of like capitalism as best you can in order to do something that feels a little bit more pure, a little bit safer, a little less risky. And of course, in fact, it's the opposite of all those things. So again, I ask the question, at what point does a student realize that there isn't an academic job for them? Is it in graduate school before they've gone on the job market? Probably not. They'll want to try the job market. Is it the first couple of years after their PhD when they're working as as contingent faculty or as a postdoc? Other than through the experience of not being successful, what do, where, where does a student learn that there isn't a job for them in academia? And I've had this conversation so many times when I'm doing on-campus workshops with doctoral students. Again, they know vaguely that the job market is quote-unquote bad, but what does that mean? And they're also told by departments and advisors, again, implicitly and sometimes explicitly, that people are still getting jobs. There are some jobs. And maybe it's going to be them because they're exceptional or they're, they're doing amazing work or there's good jobs for good people. You know, we've all heard the stories. So students are taking an enormous risk and gambling 
And they're being admitted into PhD programs and trained to be scholars. And then at some point, they're supposed to figure out that there isn't a job for them in academia. And because the job market in academia is so terrible, universities are promising plan Bs or diverse career pathways for PhDs. The problem, of course, is that most of these career pathways don't require or even benefit directly from a doctoral education and training. In fact, as I talked about in episode one of season two, a lot of time in academia can actually make it more difficult for people to make the transition into industry. It's not easier. And because the career transition is so difficult, lots of PhDs aren't making the leap. And who benefits from the failure of PhDs to make a career transition? Ultimately, it's the institutions who are creating more PhDs than there are jobs. And I don't make the, make, mean to make this sound like calculated or nefarious, like people are meeting in rooms and, and, and planning this, but it is true. Through the over, overproduction of PhDs, universities are able to offer terrible working conditions, and they have no shortage of talent who will step up and take those terrible jobs. Just this past week, I read a profile story in the Washington Post about adjuncts in DC who are struggling to get by. And earlier this month, there was a piece in the New York Times about a zero pay adjunct position at a school in California, where the person was given the opportunity to teach a course for free. So of course, alumni are angry at their institutions. And it shouldn't be a wonder that we're starting to see a decline in people pursuing PhDs, because it's not hard to go on the internet and find threads on Reddit or Twitter or LinkedIn about underemployed PhDs who are working for poverty wages, let alone open up the New York Times app or the the Washington Post app and read stories of struggling PhDs and the exploitation of people in higher ed. It's damaging to the university brand. And what's damaging about it is that they're actually not helping people get jobs, either in the academy, because there aren't any, or to actually capitalize on that plan B, which is like, how do we actually help train PhDs or help prepare PhDs or help support PhDs to move into non-academic careers? And how do we do that at scale? And how do we do that from the minute PhDs are recruited through to the time of degree completion so that there isn't a bait and switch at the end of their programs? What our research shows at Beyond the Professoriate is why PhDs are struggling so hard to make career transition is that no one is teaching them how to do this. Nobody is teaching our PhDs at scale how to do this. There are underfunded uh, offices across university campuses with one or two people who are charged with providing career support for thousands of doctoral students, but they can't possibly do it well. They're overwhelmed. And in in addition to just basic strategies, PhDs need help to work through the emotional and psychological challenges that they encounter when they leave academia. So without structured, guided support, how do we expect PhDs will suddenly know how to go from sociology to UX research, or from history to business manager, or from English literature into consulting? They don't know how, and it's difficult. And it's especially difficult when institutions don't support the students by helping them get the, get good jobs that leverage their education and training after students have invested so many years to earn these degrees, which is of course why beyond the professoriate exists is because people need structured guided, guided support in order to learn how to job search. And it's because institutions need support in scaling resources to truly help doctoral students 
through a career transition. And if they're able to do that, then maybe they'll be able to reverse the negative narrative and assumptions people have about doctoral education and training that it, what it does is sets you, sets you up to be a, an Uber driver or a barista underemployed, struggling with debt or an adjunct making $3,600 a course, if you're lucky, um, you know, moving from institution to institution in a university, in a university town, because that's the stories that people are reading right now. And of course, the number of people trying to pursue advanced degrees, especially in doctoral education is starting to decline. And if universities want to reverse that, then they need to actually engage with the problem. And the problem is your students can't get jobs because you're not teaching them how to get jobs. There's nothing wrong with the education. You can move around comps, you can change degree requirements, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. If people don't know the skills they're developing, the application of those skills in industry and how to make connections with employers, it doesn't matter what you do to your doctoral education training. You can do it over five years. You can do it over seven years. You can do it in three years. It still won't matter because at the end of the day, students don't know how to job search. That's the piece that needs to be fixed. Now let's shift our attention to master's programs because if the promise of a a job is implicit for PhD programs, it is explicit for most uh, master's programs. Universities through their marketing are promising that if you come and do a master's degree in XYZ program, you will be set up for career success. And if you don't believe me, just Google, should I get an MBA? Now, if you do that and you spend much time digging around recruitment pages of university master's degree programs, you're going to see some pretty deceptive statistics. First, you'll probably see some kind of statistic around unemployment. They like unemployment rates because unemployment rates are typically low for people with advanced degrees. So you'll read something like six months after leaving blah, blah, blah program, 98% of our students have jobs or only 3% of our students are unemployed six months after graduation. And like, duh, if you're between the ages of 18 and 90, you'll likely have living expenses and you're going to need a job, but that doesn't tell me what kind of job these alumni have. Those statistics don't say anything about if the job alumni have taken actually required or benefited from the advanced degree, or if they're just continuing on in a job they had before they started graduate school. What does that statistic mean? People found work six months after leaving your program. It doesn't tell me about anything about the quality of those jobs and whether those jobs are benefiting from the investment that master's degree holders have made to earn their degrees. No, of course, the great thing about the internet is that you can find information from other sources. And I did. So I did some digging and I found a survey of about a million Americans with advanced degrees, bachelors, masters, and PhDs. And 40% of MBAs and master's degree holders and 34% of PhDs were working in jobs that didn't require or benefit from their advanced degree. In fact, the New York Federal Reserve Bank has found that 33% of all advanced degree holders, undergraduate or graduate, are working in jobs that don't even require a bachelor's degree. Low unemployment is, of course, great, but high underemployment is not great. And it's definitely not great if people are taking out, on average, $70,000 of student loan debt in order to get their master's degrees, which is what Americans typically are taking on when they pursue their master's degree. Another statistics that you'll often see used in order to support 
people's decision to earn advanced degrees is that they typically make more money than people with bachelor's degree. And that can be true, but it greatly depends on the discipline in which one is earning their master's degree. And you might be surprised that one of the lowest returns on investment is actually an MBA. And the reason why is because people who pursue MBAs are typically typically coming out of places like engineering or economics or mathematics, um, or they have undergraduate degrees in business and they are typically already doing quite well. On average, they make about $83,000 a year. And for most MBAs, you're only going to get a bump of about $5,000 a year, unless you go to a truly top elite MBA program. So a bump of $5,000 when you've paid maybe $100,000, which is what some MBA programs are charging in tuition, that's not a great ROI. So this is an enormous problem facing higher education. Degrees cost more and more. People are taking on more and more debt, which means the ROI on an advanced degree is lower and lower every year. One of the biggest challenges that we see in having universities take this underemployment of alumni seriously is that it doesn't actually factor into any of their rankings. So their reputation and standing of a university and how they're ranked and compared to other institutions. Well, alumni employment outcomes doesn't actually factor into the mix. It's kind of staggering, but it just doesn't. Research outcomes, the production of PhDs, the number of postdocs, um, the research productivity of, uh, of faculty, the number of grants and awards faculty, when those all matter. But whether or not students can get jobs when they leave a university, that doesn't actually factor in. Until it does. And what I mean by that is we have official reputations and standings and rankings of institutions, but we also, again, have the internet in which people are going on and they're sharing stories of their struggles to, and their inability to find jobs that justify their investment in their education. And what we're seeing is that there has been a shift over the last number of years in terms of American attitudes towards higher education and the value of higher education. In a survey that was conducted recently of Gen Z high school students, about half said they didn't plan to go to college. Half. When asked why they weren't interested in pursuing bachelor's degrees, they cited the high cost, the low return on investment, and their confidence that they would be able to be just as successful without a four-year degree. That doubt about the long-term benefit of an advanced degree is having serious repercussions on universities. Enrollment in undergraduate education has declined by 11% between 2011 and 2019, and then it declined again by 6.6% over the pandemic. People aren't coming to college because it costs too much, because the labor market is strong, because people can go get jobs without getting a bachelor's degree and without having to take on that massive amount of debt. And when they look around and they see stories or they just see their peers, people slightly older than them, getting advanced degrees and then not able to leverage that into jobs that require bachelor's degree, well, why would people go? Why would people spend the four years and the thousands of dollars in order to get a degree that is going to set them up for a job they could get straight out of high school? It's also starting to affect enrollments in graduate education too. 
And most in this past year, there was actually a slight decline for the first time in a decade in the number of people going to graduate school. It declined by 0.5%, which might not sound like much, but keep in mind that for the past decade, enrollment in graduate programs increased by 2% or 3% year over year. And what's more is while it looked like the numbers were going up and they were like more people were going to graduate school, the participation rate actually went down. And what do I mean by the participation rate? The share of people with bachelor's degrees who then went on to pursue graduate education declined by 15% since 2012. So what happened is millennials went to college at a record number. They earned bachelor's degrees at a record number and a huge percentage of millennials earned bachelor's degrees. So there were more people with bachelor's degree to, to go to graduate school. The problem is they just didn't go at the same percentage as other generations. And so, and again, it's the same problem that we're seeing with undergraduate enrollment. People are not going to get graduate degrees because they cost so much money and the ROI isn't there. They're not able to see how they can leverage that education in order to advance in their career field. And so again, people are doubting the value of these advanced degrees. The other problem that universities have is that there are other places where you can get credentials. You can earn certifications through LinkedIn, through Google, through data science boot camps. There are other spaces where you can learn knowledge and stack credentials on top of an undergraduate degree and be successful in your career without taking on the massive amount of debt that is required to earn a master's degree. So unless universities can actually reverse this narrative of underemployment by teaching people how to job search, they're going to continue to see a decline in enrollment. And when people don't land jobs, they blame their institutions. So here's a couple of quotes I pulled from social media. One person wrote, I got a a one-year MBA from a state school. The job offers I get are from pyramid schemes, direct sales scams, and other MLM BS. Should I accept that my school took my loan money and ran? Another master's degree holder wrote, Never in my life have I been so nervous, depressed, and angry. It feels like all my schooling and internships were a waste. I struggled so much to pay for school and have nothing to show for it. Or consider this from a PhD. I got a PhD with the hopes of being a professor, couldn't find a position in academia, and was forced to take a job that I could have done with a BA. Now my doctor title is the butt of a joke around the office. So what do universities need to do in order to change this narrative? Well, they have to teach people how to job search and they have to teach people how to job search effectively because nobody is doing this again at scale. We're just expecting people to figure out how to find jobs, how to communicate the value of their education and training, how to network, how to write resumes, how to interview, who's teaching them how to do this if it's not their institutions. Because what our research also shows is that people with advanced degrees who know how to job search, who can follow a process, who can job search with purpose and strategy are able to leverage these degrees and build middle-class lifestyles and participate in today's creative economy at a level that reflects their education and training. So this is why we exist as an organization. This is my passion project. We want to help universities do this at scale because we need to. 
Because I don't know about you, I I don't want to live in a world where people aren't getting degrees, where people aren't being taught the critical thinking skills that you learn in an undergraduate education, where people aren't reading books and writing poetry and thinking thoughts, where we're not teaching people to be innovative and creative. I don't want to live in that world. I want to live in a world where universities are robust institutions, where people are able to earn degrees and then get jobs. Because of course, education isn't just about the job. It's about building an engaged citizenry, a body politic full of thoughtful, creative, and innovative people. And so we need people to go to college, to go to graduate school, but then to also be successful in building the careers that they're promised by their institutions so that they confidently talk about their education and training to employers. Employers in turn see the value of that education and training and they want more of it. And instead of writing on you know, Reddit and Twitter about their struggles, people will talk about their great careers. And that's what universities want. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Job Search the Smart Way, a podcast for graduate students and PhDs. For more resources to help you launch your next great career, be sure to visit beyondprof.com and sign up for our free events. And remember, smart people work everywhere.